0: welcome to this episode of the network marketing heroes podcast hosted by 38 year network marketing veteran author of best-selling books the four-year career and mock two with your hair on fire richard bliss Brook.
1: this is our own leader here richard bliss Brook. so excited to hear and learn from both richard and our special guest margie Alaprandi. richard welcome to your own hero series call
0: Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate you uh, opening this up. And Margie, thank you. I know you are a world traveler, tens of thousands of people vying for your time and attention, and you're donating an hour to the Bliss Business crowd tonight.
1: Know where I'd rather be. Know where I'd rather be, Richard. Anything for you?
0: Thank you. Well, after my first question, I'm not sure you're going to agree with that. <laughs> so <clears throat> the first question Kimmy wanted me to ask is she wanted me to have you tell us about what the two of you did in New York City last week. <laughs>
1: we had such a good time. We um we went to Kinky Boots.
0: <laughs> kinky Boots? What is kinky, hoots? kinky Boots?
1: Kinky Boots. It's a show. <laughs> Richard, you're so great.
0: <laughs> I
1: love it. I love it. We had a fantastic time.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, that's what she said, and uh, yes, <laughs> that was uh, "Think and Grow Rich" for women, in which exactly that was a right book launch with Sharon Lecter for "Think and Grow Rich" for women, and you were featured in that book. Were you not?
1: Yes, I. Um, my my story is told in that book under the uh, chapter of decision, and um, Sharon Lecter has taken the Think and Grow Rich principles, which is such a seminal work, particularly for network marketers, and um, has taken the the each of those principles has brought in stories of modern women. Because, as you know, in Think and Grow Rich, all all of the stories that were drawn upon were were men because they were old the men, ones old white men yeah, old men <laughs> <laughs> making the money back in the day. And so, yes, and Kimmy also has a quote in the book, and uh, and so we were there for the the launch of that book, and uh participated in a panel and it was a, it was a fun time because um because Kimmy took me to Kinky Boots and and that's a fantastic musical we had a great a grand time and celebrated my birthday and you got yourself a good one there Richard.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Lucky she had a great man. Time, so thank you for <laughs> care of her. She had a really <laughs> good time. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's get into um our hero interview. So for those of you that might be listening in for the first time, the Bliss Business Heroes calls are a little bit different than interviews and calls that you may have listened to in the past. We we drill down on details and statistics from our heroes. We drill down on their actual story about how they got involved in network marketing and what some of their trials and tribulations are, but we really our brand in these interviews is statistics. I'm a statistics fanatic when it comes to building a business. I like distributors to create business plans and and figure out what they want to accomplish and what it's going to take to get there and then, you know, get in a some kind of relationship with somebody that partners with you to to make sure you stay on track. And so we're going to ask Margie about some of her stats and some of her philosophies around that tonight and She's also featured in the four-year career, so maybe we'll ask her a little bit about if, she, if she's found any value in that book or how she uses it. But how we're gonna start is with Margie's story, and Margie, your story is, uh, is in rarefied air. You have one of the most captivating, one of the most extraordinary stories of anybody I've ever met in network marketing. And what makes it unique is the length of time that you spent building one company and not a company that has always been in the limelight, not always been the favorite company in the industry, not always been the fastest growing or the shiniest star, lots of adversity, and yet you've powered through that to build an extraordinary organization. And just to like uh, eliminate any anticipation, Margie Alaprande has personally sponsored in her 26 years about 400 people. And out of that, she has developed four extraordinary legs, probably lots of other legs besides that, but most importantly, a group of 80,000 distributors all over the world that produce 18 to $20 million a month in business. And those statistics right there Those are compelling, those are inspiring, and what is built into those, Margie, I am sure are hundreds and hundreds of stories, some of them full of uh, tears, some of them full of laughter, some of them full of celebration and and joy, and uh, so we're just going to want to get a couple of them out of you tonight, starting with, how did you get introduced to this profession and by whom?
1: Um, So I grew up in Utah. I was very familiar with the business model because from the time that I was maybe 18 years old, I was regularly pitched by somebody who would tell me, oh my gosh, you would be so good at this. And, And I had such resistance and sort of like threshold issues because i did not i did I just didn't like the idea of like pushing some ideas on my friends like I really had sort of that traditional resistance and um at at one point my father became involved with the granddaddy of all companies and um all network marketing companies and he he just kept trying to have me see the light, right, like trying to, I went with him to a dream night, and, and man, I could get <laughs> inspired being there, you know, and, fr- and free enterprise day, I went with him to these these things, but there was still a threshold issue for me, and I, I told him at one point, Dad, you've got to back off, because I would rather wash toilets for the rest of my life than do what you do, so is that like, I mean talk about taking the stance, and then yeah like like you i, were I uh,
0: you were a hater
1: <laughs> i I didn't just say no, I said, hell no, and so I think it is you know kind of ironic that now all of these years later and and probably me i would say probably within a couple of years of building my business that, that it began i began in nineteen eighty nine um that my response was, Oh my gosh, I was born for this so i mean that's a that's a that's a big 180 right
0: yeah so what changed in your life that made you ready to listen what what i call leaning up against the door and Mm -hmm. somebody opens Mm -hmm. the door and you fall right in what had changed
1: two pieces your childhood Two pieces. Um, one that um, I found myself with circumstances where I had an immediate need, and I didn't like my options. I um, was a single mom with three little kids, five, four, and two, and I didn't want to go back to teaching junior high school music to create a living that would be, you know, meager at best, and um, would take me away from them. So that was one piece. However. I've never been the sort of person that can do something just for money. Like if it doesn't spring from uh, you know, some a deep wellspring of passion and vision, like I can see something that's extraordinary and I want it, you know, then I can I can't do it. I, like which is where my resistance had come from in those early days. Like, I don't care how much money you dangle before me. No. I can't see it. But then what happened and this is kind of a, a story I don't tell that often, so I'll give you the cliff note version. What I was doing at the time is I was doing some acting and television commercials and industrial films, and I got hired to do an industrial film for a nail gel product that was a network marketing company, and as I was doing this as their spokesperson, and I was a real believer in the product, I thought, you know, if there was ever anything I could sell, this would be it, and um, and so fast forward a few months later, I was grappling with, am I going to go back to teaching school, and somebody presented this product and said let's go take this product and let's find a network marketing company trust me let's take this product and let's find a network marketing company and um and and, and then you would you know you'd ideally be one of the lead distributors or whatever so um, what happened is the the switch was I found something I was truly passionate about. Like I knew I could talk to people all day anywhere about there was value in that. Like I can sell this thing. And, and I did, I, with that one product and obviously there were others in the company, but I didn't focus on them with that one product. I made my first million dollars. And so, um, Yeah. I jumped in. Well, and the, and the, the, the backstory just for a a minute is that I jumped in with, you know, no previous experience, three little kids, no money. And, and just really had to, there were, you know, there was plenty of struggle in, in the meantime, obviously there's the the rejection, but there's something about having made a whatever it takes decision and seeing that vision of what's possible. Like you don't, notice the rejection. You don't notice, for example, like I didn't really get this poor me syndrome out of the fact that when I would drive to California to do a meeting for team members, maybe only eight or ten, that I couldn't afford, number one, to fly. I couldn't afford to stay in a hotel. So I drove my car, slept in my car in a hotel parking lot, and then went into gas stations um, before going to the meeting after having a a rocky night's sleep and put on my dress, put in my electric curlers and headed off to the meetings and said, all right, guys, we're going to get rich. Come on, join me. And uh, we're going to become millionaires. So it, it, but none of that, like I, I wasn't thinking, oh, poor me that I have to sleep in my car. I was just like, that's what had to be done. In fact, I did, it didn't even register that, you know, this is a, a, a this is a weird situation. I just did it because it, it was the way that I could get to my people, help develop a team. And um, and so I think that whatever it takes decision is really big. And I think having a vision of huge possibilities and holding to that regardless of whether other people see it with you or not. And just one foot in front of the other, I think those are some real keys in those early days. Within a year, I was making more money in a month than I could have made in an entire year teaching school. And then, as I said, you know, within three years, my first million dollars.
0: Okay. So let's talk about, well, first, uh, because I think people might want to know, that company was Images, right?
1: That company was images. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what exactly was the product that was so compelling <laughs> that you were making five figures a month a year after you started promoting it?
1: It was um a nail gel product. And that was just at the time when gels were really more popular to as a nail application than acrylics because acrylics, you know, were so toxic. And so people were having them done in the salon. It was pretty expensive. This was a little box where you had this lamp and some gel that you could brush on your own nails. And so it really, it actually required some skill. Richard, you laugh, but let me tell you this: I had as many men selling this because they could see the money. Uh, We would go, we would do trade shows. I had this guy out of New Mexico who was a truck driver, and he like burly, hairy arms, and he would be demonstrating this product on delicate women's hands. And while he was holding their hands. He's not stupid, man. And while he was holding their hand, he would say, you know what, there's a business opportunity here that he put their hand in, their, in the lamp. I mean, they're not going anywhere. And and we would blow out of that place, you know, with a bunch of people signed up and maybe 40 of those systems sold. People were making thousands of dollars in a weekend. And so, you know, it, it was very, um, it was, yeah, I mean, how silly, right? It was a nail product. And I had as many men do, doing the business with me as women.
0: All right, well, let's talk about your building launch. So statistically, in your first three or four months, and I did ask you this ahead of time, so I know you've researched it because that was a few days ago. How many people do you remember personally sponsoring in your first 90 days or so?
1: So I sponsored a lot very quickly. And um, and I'm guessing in my first 90 days, probably, I don't know, 30, 40, 50, something like that like fast. I, I was, yeah. I, I was off to the races pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. And so speak to for a minute, Margie, just from a training standpoint for people. Okay. You may have done that just because of your blind enthusiasm or, or your sense of urgency, but <clears throat> after 26 years of coaching and working with people, what have you found about how important it is that people launch quickly and that first three or four months personally sponsor a bunch of people. How have you found um, that to be important?
1: I, I There are some things that after doing it for 26 years, like you just know stuff in every cell of your body. And whether you've been with your particular business for eight years and you decide that today will be that massive action day and you're going to give it a good hard run – I don't know anyone that has made it to significant income in our business without that massive action period. And the sooner toward the beginning that it can happen, um, the, the better. Now, I'm one of the really cool things about what's happening in my world right now is that my 21-year-old daughter, um, who did not really anticipate ever becoming involved in the business has joined me. And I'm watching her move into massive action. She's bringing me five or six three-way calls a day. Today she reached out to 35 people. Like she's in massive action. And as a result, I'm seeing what happens. And like I'm just, it just reiterates everything that I know. And that is you need to have a, um, a stint of massive action and it and, and and don't lose heart if you're you know years into your business and you've never had the growth you desire because you can it can be as as easy as a decision that happens today but it is it's essential because so many magical things happen. You begin to create momentum. I, you know, so much has talked about company momentum. Well, company momentum can come and go if you never get individual momentum. And so um, what this massive action, first of all, the other thing that happens is you get really good, Richard. Like at first, you're trepidatious about your inviting language, and what do I say about this, and how do I describe it, and how do I follow up? Let me tell you, if you're talking to that many people, you know, regularly, you get good fast, and so your ratios improve, and, and and then you can and because you're learning what doesn't work also, you can mentor better I mean it's just so essential that you take that learning curve at a clip where you can demonstrate some early success and and help others do the same
0: okay, so in your first year, I got the note right here, so you don't have to think about it you uh researched that you probably sponsored about a hundred people your first year, yeah, and that's an enormous amount what's What's more important, I think, the question is, most people after sponsoring 40 or 50 people in a a three- or four-month period would take the next five years off and manage those 40 or 50 people until they all vanished. What most people, (laughs) as you know, don't do in their second year is continue with any kind of pace. And so a critical statistic that I asked you, yeah. that I want you to share with people is, how many people did you personally sponsor your second year after you had like, all I, of these people that you could have managed?
1: Um, I kept going, like, I don't know, 50-ish. I mean, maybe more. Yeah, it, it was just... it it's a balancing act because when you're bringing people in you've got to make sure that you're giving them what they need to get them going and and that you are helping them drive depth in their teams and you're developing leadership and at the same time i think that it's so important to to, to keep doing the, to keep doing the thing because that's how you continue to mentor that's how you stay sharp when you're really in the trenches
0: yeah, especially as you know, when you're in one company for 26 years, things change, I suppose. Yeah. That happened in your company?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you
0: know, if you're not <laughs> – well, I'm going to have you talk about that a little bit because it's going to put in perspective for other people. It will. You know, they're it wondering will. why the product's on back order and how they're ever going to be successful yeah, please, in the business. Yeah, please. Right. But, you know, if you're not in the trenches every week, every month, then – you know, uh, you, what you end up presenting, you know, this year might be something different than you were presenting last year. So the only yeah, way you, 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 is lose you touch. Is stay current. Yeah. You got to stay, yeah. stay current. So tell us about, so, well, I'm gonna, I'm just going to finish your stats. So one of the things I want to put in perspective here, Margie, and you can speak to this too, is people might be listening to this to go and, and, and saying, well, I could never sponsor a hundred people in my first year, never sponsor 40 or 50. Well, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not, doesn't matter. You know, I want to just keep it in context here that who we're talking to tonight is one of the top network marketing leaders in the world. Margie has 80,000 people in her group. You don't get 80,000 people by doing a couple of things. You don't get 80,000 people by sponsoring one person a month and you don't get 80,000 people by whenever, whenever things get tough, you look for greener pastures or you start talking yourself out of the opportunity. The only way you get eighty thousand people is sponsor like a maniac, like you're delirious that's right. for about for about four years. And that that's is not right. necessarily that's not necessarily for everyone. But not everyone needs eighty thousand people in their organization. Not everybody needs, you know, to have their own bank like Margie. Some people just want to make five or ten grand a month and so what I want you to speak to, Margie, is, you know, what kind of pace do you think is necessary for people to achieve that, what they can see right now? Most people can't see the kind of money you make and the team that you have. All they really want to see is, you know, how do I make three or four or five thousand dollars a month? What kind of pace do I need to work at to achieve that?
1: So um, one one distinction on the eighty thousand people. I think the question you asked me was active. Like how many people are like on direct ship? How many that's active people? I have over two hundred
0: fifty thousand people total people.
1: <laughs> so don't short me here, Richard. Don't short uh, me, man.
0: You know what? I should have I should have paid more attention because I thought you had a quarter million people, and when I saw you're eighty thousand, right. but you're right. Eighty thousand active.
1: active. You asked active. Yeah, like who's taking Eighty
0: thousand people on auto ship. That's pretty good business.
1: It's pretty good business. Obviously, it's not all in my pay scale, right? you know some of it is there's <laughs> it goes really deep, it goes really yeah, deep right. in Japan and Russia and Southeast Asia and so forth so okay well, carry kind on what
0: do you think what kind of pace do you think somebody needs to work at in terms of their personally sponsoring to make you know within a couple of years four or five thousand a month or ten thousand
1: so so I have to say that I am so impressed with your you know your demonstration of two people and what happens if they do if somebody does that the kind of asset value of the business that they create in in 4 years and i am certain that if somebody were to consistently talk to two people it's just that it's hard to Talk to two, and and how do I say this? Like, I think it's easier. For me, it's easier to reach out to 30 people um, and to be talking to people everywhere I go because I'm in a rhythm, and, and then, you know, and so it just beca- it becomes easier because I'm in momentum. Yeah. I think it's harder to talk to two and say and really talk to two every day and to keep doing it because it's pretty pretty small in the beginning however if you did that and you you know you were you did that in a sustainable way over a short period of time you're going to have team members who are joining you and you're going to be helping them and the exponential um, effort would be extraordinary so my experience is i've only ever seen people make significant money if they move into pretty significant massive action. You know, Cody Bateman is a good friend of yours and mine. And what some people don't know is that he was in my images business. And um, he used to come over to the house in the evening and he describes me working, which he remembers some things better even than I do. And he he just remembers me putting the kids to bed and being on the, the phone all night long, being, you know, having been on the phone all day long and hearing me, Uh, My answering machine, you have 112 unheard messages. So, I mean, just a lot, a lot of action. Now, to dial it down a little bit, it's not, that's that's not a pace that, first of all, it's not a pace that you even should sustain for, huge amounts of time you're going to need repose if you do that to and you, and you're going to probably at some point you know Kimmy said something a couple of years ago and I thought man that woman has built a big business cuz when she was asked uh, the question on the mastermind stage of what what do you recommend for people that are you know building a big business she she said something about setting boundaries and I'm like that woman she's got a big business cuz she's learned that already so you will have to create boundaries at some point you have to have balance and 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 uh, healthy Uh, Keep yourself healthy. So the answer would be that if somebody was talking to two to five people every single day and professionally inviting them, using tools and systems, leveraging tools and systems so that they have a duplicable thing in place, um, and they were following up with those people and they did that consistently, man, even if they did two to five people for, for six months, they, it's possible that they would have created something in that time if they're leveraging systems to, to train um, and and it's all happening professionally and, and systematically and they're getting people to plug in and they're getting people to events. Even after that much time, they may have put something in place that couldn't be stopped if they tried. I mean, that's possible. What do you think?
0: Well, the reason I like to paint the consistent numbers picture versus you know, go out and sponsor 100 people your first year is... And then drop off. Well, yeah, most people can't see themselves doing that, and they get overwhelmed. But here's what we don't tell them about, uh, you know, and and basically the flow that I like to teach people is if you talk to one or two or three people a day, uh, the thing about doing that that you don't realize as a person, as a new person looking at the business, is if you actually invite it, with a tool, like you said, if you invited one or two or three people a day, every day, let's say six days a week, you know, that's 10, 15, 20 people a week that you're inviting to look at your opportunity. Here's the thing that new people don't realize about that. If you actually did that for 90 days, personally invited that many people every day, and that's just an average, maybe you do them all on Saturday but you personally invited 15 or 20 people a week to look at your opportunity, and you did that for three months, you're in the top one-tenth of 1% in your company with your inviting experience. Yep. Because so few people actually do that. And what happens after 90 days of inviting people is the same thing that happens after 90 days of doing anything that you've never done before. You're good at it. Yeah. You know, I I know one of the things you can speak to here, Margie, is the, the way the it's like it's like punching through a black hole when you actually move into massive momentum in this business and you look back and you say to yourself, "My god, this is so much easier than I said it was."
1: Yeah, it's exactly it's right. Yes, <clears throat> so it's it, it's really exactly. Can get,
0: you can get rhythm and you can get mastery in 3 or 4 months
1: you can i mean to the point that you can that you can because the the lessons come very quickly I just have to keep referring to my daughter if I can right now, because I'm watching her, she's 21 and I'm watching her learn in two and three weeks, sometimes two and three days, lessons that take some people years to learn because they don't have enough activity to learn those. Like she learned very quickly. Oh my gosh. Like we've got to be really strong at moving people into action. Like the minute they sign up, she's already, you know, she's already learning. Wow. They fall off the radar fast. So, She's yeah. getting those lessons, and she's also learning the importance of a really full funnel and talking to people every day. Um, and here's here's an interesting thing. So she she was going for what we call a share in our company, and and that uh, represents a certain performance and a certain uh, dollar amount. And um, and she's been pushing for this, pushing for this, working for this, you know, and and yet honoring people, and 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 yet reaching out to new people if those ones aren't quite ready, and all of that stuff. And, um, and so, and, and people, she just learned people are on their own timetable and for everything that you're going to do, they're going to come in when they're ready. And, and so she just kept filling the funnel and filling the funnel. And this last Monday, after the share thing ended on Saturday at midnight, she had three people plop in, um, and come in with the biggest package that had been saying they were going to, because she just kept keeping the funnel full, keeping the funnel. And now she's getting better. It's so fun for me to observe this happening from scratch um, with somebody that I care about so much. So now she's getting better. Today she thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going for another share. And she's kind of working on her previous ratios because once you do something for a little while, you start to establish ratios. And once you have numbers, like you said, Richard, once you have numbers, then you can create a strategy. You can create a business plan based on the kind of ratios you know you'll get based on the people you're talking to. So she reached out to 35 people And she's gotten so much better in the last three to four weeks that like 12 of them got right back to her and she's like oh no no, now what am I going to do but it's because she has a confidence about her she has she's experiencing that it works and believe me she learned really fast how frustrating it can be and how many people are going to say no even the ones you thought would say yes and so she's just getting the learning at an expedited pace she's been doing it for under 30 days right now and so when you say mastery in nine when you're putting yourself out there consistently, and like you say, one, even one, two, or three, because the exponential build of that will mean that within a few days, you've got a handful of people that are getting started, and if you help them duplicate, oh my gosh, yeah, like you'll have yeah. a thriving business with consistency.
0: Yes, for sure. <clears throat> She's uh, th- That has to be so inspirational for you, Mark. Oh to her and to watch her and like just as you were describing that, I was, you know, thinking, well, you know, even with it, with the lifestyle that she's enjoyed, and the life that she's had, how how does she deal with when somebody says, oh yes, I'm going to do this. This is great. This is so fantastic. This, uh, I'm going to talk to five people. I'm going to, you know, and you call them three days later, and they go, oh no, no, I'm not, I'm not doing. That. I haven't right. done any of that. <laughs>
1: right, 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 right. De-
0: dealing with people who don't do what they say they're going to do. Say they're going to the do yeah. Right. So
1: right.
0: tell tell us about some of the uh, adversities in your 26 years with essentially <laughs> essentially one company. I think it would be fascinating for people to hear what what happened to Images and what did that morph into, and and then you had a like a pretty Good run for ten years, and then some really fascinating things happen. Things
1: really <laughs> fascinating. I love that yeah, you call that, them fascinating. <laughs>
0: <they're> <laughs> they're
1: yeah. me. They're fascinating. Well. Th- so here are the high points. Um, so I had completely built my, my business around this nail product, and the person that sold it to our, our founders told them that, you know, the primer doesn't have any acrylic acid in it, and so it's really safe for home use, even if people are sloppy with it, no big deal. Well, it wasn't true. And the the product did have some methyl acrylic acid, not quite as toxic as acrylic acid, but not designed really uh, for home use. And, and it was un- unbeknownst to any of us, my diamonds – their fingers started breaking out with blisters, (laughs) Richard. (laughs) They, I loved it, too. Well, I know I didn't love it at the time, but, I mean, it's a great story, right? You're either building your business or you're building your story. So they would come to meetings, and they would sit on their hands and hide their hands. People go, well, let me see your nails. And they'd be like, no, 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 not so much. Literally, like, blisters all over. And at first we thought it was isolated. Maybe just a few people have a super allergic. But, no, it started being really pervasive. <laughs> so it's um, – it, almost to the point that it became epidemic we had to pull the product and my whole business was based on this and because we had a sort of mad scientist he was trying to create a new gel and 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 so we had like all of these different iterations and I was trying to hang on to my people and go try this one try this one oh this one's rubbery oh this one I don't even need to put it in the lamp if I put it in the sun it burns my hands you know I mean it's just like oh my lord so it was um my first lesson in you know, maybe don't build on just one product. Have some diversification. I can't believe that there weren't lawsuits or anything like that in those early days. I think it was because I, I believe that people really knew we were that I at least was trying trying my best to try to find solutions. And anyway, so um, so I lost a portion of my business <laughs> as a result of that, and then okay,
0: stop um, there. Stop there. Yep. Stop there. All right. Lost a portion of your business, and as you know, Margie. Whether it's a big setback or it's a modest setback, how people reboot, how people craft a vision and get themselves motivated for a second run after a significant setback, how did you do that?
1: Um, I, at that point, had fallen in love with how it feels to build like it really was in me and I knew we had to shift and I knew it was not going to be able to be on that, um, was not going to be able to be on that premise of the nail thing anymore. Um, I, I I hung on to a handful and really, Richard, it was pretty, pretty sustainable loss, but I was already in love with the model. And so the next direction became, the next flagship direction was to start talking about these safe products that we had that were pretty extraordinary and there was a company whose motto was all of the good none of the bad and I had some team members just a handful of them that challenged that and a couple people made an audio tape um and um and we just shift, we just changed directions i i, I don't know what to say that I drew on other than I knew I wasn't done and I knew there were people who needed help and anybody that stayed with me, I redoubled my efforts that we were going to figure this out. We were going to shift directions. We were going to make this happen. And I don't know. I just had a a strong emotional resilience through it. Um, The next chapter was that over the course of about the next year, I had about eight or 9,000, should we say the name of the company? Distributors come, come, come from new skin at the time. Um, and uh, it just, it was kind of a, it was a, it was a, a challenging day in Nuskin Skin history when um, people were kind of hitting the wall and that, that comp plan was pretty comp plan was pretty de- um, demanding and we had a cleaner product story. And so they kind of came, in, they came in droves as um, as a result of some of these audio tapes that a few of my team members who stayed, started circulating. And so, um, another, you know, really booming period that lasted uh, a little while. Um, it had its challenges. We were still a small company. We're now growing really, really fast. I'm doing my best to, you know, to, to support leaders. A lot of them, a little bit heartbroken. They came over maybe not with the ability to rebuild because their heart was, you know, their, their hopes had been dashed and, and maybe they didn't have it to build again. And, um, and then we were just you know we were making some dumb mistakes as a company i guess i shouldn't say we cuz i wasn't the company but let's just say there were some some um unfortunate decisions being made at the at the company level and um over time a lot of them started just sort of trickling away and then there came a lawsuit and we had to change the name of the company and um I remember that. You remember that yeah it I was do. um yeah kind of back and forth it was over the nail product actually not not a disgruntled a distributor, but the person that had brought the nail product crossed swords with the owner and they went in a lawsuit and anyway, and, and, and we had the name Images and all of a sudden there's a company that we're, now we're getting big, there's a company called Images in California that is been that has trademarked their name and we hadn't, so we had to change our name. And to it, it, to protect our owners and to create a situation where there was no successor liability to the new company, they made us um, sign... Uh, new applications and so in one day Richard my business went from 20,000 people after already having taken one hit and me building it back up it went from 20,000 people to 10 (laughs) in one in one night it was just like okay
0: so so your company for some legal mumbo jumbo reason in the middle of your build sounds like you've been at it for a few years
1: couple couple and a half yeah uh,
0: that tells every distributor you have to sign a brand new agreement or you 're no longer in the genealogy that's right, and you lost half of them
1: yeah there was just there was just enough deflation and yeah, yeah, um, other sure. challenges, other challenges yeah. that they just went, no, not worth it goodbye right. Um, right. yeah mhm yep half
0: okay. half <laughs> and you bounced back from that with the same emotional resolve.
1: Um, I I did I I did and um and I I got you know like the beginning of a of a decent round and um and then you know there were just there were some other challenges. I decided I was going to take a pause. We won't go into those. You you and I probably both know what they are. Um,
0: okay. Yeah. B-
1: but um. They would there floor was...
0: people. The challenges you have been through in your 26 years would just have people aghast they would it would it would just floor people what you have been through and
1: yeah like you know, no you, excuses to anybody else right if you're disappointed about something like get the freak over it
0: <laughs> because
1: over it. yeah yeah there's there there you can always choose to focus on the negative, even if the negative is really atrocious, you can, you can choose to let that be your focus, or you can choose to let your desires and your dreams and the people that you care about around you be your focus. You can always choose what you focus on, and you know some people choose to focus on the positive, even in the face of insurmountable odds, and other people have insurmountable favor, but they choose to focus on the one or two things that aren't right. I mean, it's always a choice.
0: always a choice, and you you said something earlier Marjorie that that this could be like a badge of honor for you. You said the first thing you said when I asked you how you bounced back from that, you said, "Well, I don't know, but I just knew I wasn't done yet." Yeah. And you know, people may hear that and they say, "Well, you know, how do you know that?" Well, you know it because it's a conversation that you have for your with yourself. You choose that type of a theme song as your conversation that you have for yourself and when something tough happens then you just know you're not through yet and that's a a profound phrase to uh, like somebody said what's Margie's secret to success every time something hit her hard she just bounced back with knowing she wasn't through yet and if you know you're not through yet there's only one thing to do and that's rebuild.
1: Keep going, to keep going. Yep. But I I did take a pause at that point and um and I had I got married um a second time and had my fourth child who is now building the business with me 21 years later. <laughs> and what I said was that I was taking time to have my child, but what the real truth was is I I really was I was running on fumes at that point and um and i needed i needed a bit of a pause but what i noticed is my check never fell below $15,000 for the next year and a half and so i came back um again and this time it was body wraps remember when we were doing that <laughs> yep, i'm yep. i'm coming back and i'm the body wrap expert and we had a really significant build with that so and you know and then at that point some of the seeds that i'd planted in this international market i i just remember that the first time i realized that that check from Russia it wasn't 3200 it was $32,000 and how that <laughs> felt you know to have this international business now growing and I and I guess you know like I know you've got your two or three favorite stories and I guess that I guess that is really if we want to go to a story I guess that is really my favorite story because to me it demonstrates everything that really matters about this business and to sum it up it is that there is a sowing season and a reaping season. Now for some, like like I I'm eternally grateful to the founders of our company even though there were many challenging times like they kept the doors open and and they they had products that worked that created loyalty, you know, I mean, there were many right things, even though there were some pretty difficult and challenging things as well. I'm grateful, like I do it over again. And what I know is that there is a sowing season and a reaping season. They don't land in the same season. And your reaping will be commensurate to your planting. And and it was when this, this you know, this Russian, like, just as I was kind of getting ready to take a little pause, this started taking off and um and it was something it was because of the seeds I planted it was something that began happening without me and when you plant enough seeds and when you come back with this emotional resilience and you hold strong to the to the dream and to the goal, like you don 't notice the minutiae i mean yes, there are little challenges, checks might be wrong or there's a, something with the packaging or something with, you know, like just like you don't even notice the minutia because you are, you, you are just, your eyes are so fixed on where you're going and it's big. You're wrapped up in the possibilities. And when you can stay there and you keep planting and planting and planting and planting, there comes a time when that reaping season is so grand and the story that I love to tell is that going to do that meeting in New York. And um, you, shall I tell this story? You know it.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: I, I mentioned early on the stories of sleeping in the car and travel traveling all over like the the furthest place I drove in my car was Louisville from Utah. That's far. Um that's I far. drove <laughs> that's far. That's damn far. And um so I uh I was you know, that but but I did what, what I needed to do. Now I'm at the point in my business I can fly wherever I want, the income is substantial and I Go to do a meeting in New York, and I'm super well prepared because I'm from Utah. To me, New York City is a little intimidating, and to think that they're going to be, you know, all those people from New York at the meeting, and I'm talking to them. Um, so I was really prepared. Problem is, my cab driver wasn't, and he got lost en route to this to the venue. We did not have cell phones. So there was no way for me to notify people I was coming late, and um and I arrived like 25, 30 minutes late to a hot, stuffy room of people who were so irritated it was impossible to retrieve it. Like you could just see the look in their face. So I do my little dog and pony show, and um you know, product, company, product you know, timing, comp, you know, a quick presentation. And then I invite people to come up and and ask me questions afterwards. And a a Russian gentleman came up to me shortly after the breakup of the Soviet States. And he tells me he's taken it to Russia. And I pat him on the back and say, good, because at this point I'm not listening to people's words anymore. I'm I'm encouraging. (laughs) I'm encouraging. And I always have a sense of positive expectation, but I don't listen. I don't let their words amp me up. Um, so I just told him, Congratulations, like let me know if I can help you, I patted him on the back. And so within a few months I start seeing these names, Svetlana, Igor, Pizarevsky, Valentin, Roman, you know, start showing up. Zobolevsky's showing up on my uh my printout and pretty soon there are pages and pages and pages and pages. Well, you know how the story goes. So, you know, time passes and I decide that at one point, man, this is growing, like my check's growing, there's another zero on it. Um, I need to see how many people I have in the region. And this is before the ruble fell. So granted, like I I don't have that many people worldwide right now, but this is honest to God, honest to God, Richard, I ordered that printout. It was the green and white paper that lined 50 names on each side, perforated on the edges, yep. and the, yep. accordion folded. And <laughs> that date says we both know that paper. Um, I ordered the printout. It came in a big box. I pulled the thing out, and it sat, it sat like eight or nine inches tall on my desk. And it had over five hundred thousand names on it. So oh my gosh. from one meeting that I thought was a flop, now I want to take yeah. it full circle. Right. So now yeah. I've been collecting so the most I've ever made out of that region, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, to, to Tajikistan. I mean places I didn't even find on a map before I did this. Um the the least I've made is ten grand out of that monthly. The most I've made is forty three. Um, so it's been significant income over 23 years as a result of one meeting and so it's that sowing season reaping season not in the same season you keep planning the reaping will come now I was in Bulgaria this is to me the sweetest ever I was in Bulgaria last year and one of my mentors taught me that you know when you're on stage every now and then like getting an award or whatever pause and take it in you know just like Breathe it in. And so I'm getting ready to speak to this sea of faces, thousands of people. And I just paused for a second. And as I looked into the faces that I could see, and some of them I couldn't because it was like stadium like big, um, I thought to myself, what if I'd quit? What if I'd quit? And the real coup de grace came. So I just was over flooded with, you know, like emotion and. And um gratitude and a little pat on the back for staying the course to myself, you know, but the 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 coolest thing of all was on the gala night at about one o'clock in the morning, these things they go on and on, you know they invited the children to the stage, and this is only Bulgaria like there are there you know more, but this was the people who came to this region for this event. And 250 kids from the ages of 2, 3, 5, 8, 9, 12, 18, 20, you know, 25-year-olds come to the stage, 250 of them. And I looked at that group, and I just thought, the ripple effect. Oh, my yeah. freaking God. I, I, You know, just like I started this business to give three kids a better life. And I had the tenacity to keep going when other people may have quit. And yeah. now look at the ripple effect.
0: No, it's it is uh, it's huge. It would it would be interesting to see if you could look at a giant pond or look at the ocean and look at what kind of rock or pebble or boulder you dropped in a shoreline. If you could trace the ripple effect to shores thousands and thousands of miles away, yeah. that's your story, Margie. You you um, you kept throwing boulders. And even when perhaps, you know, all logic said...
1: It wouldn't have made sense, yeah.
0: Yeah, it does, this doesn't make any sense, but if what you know is that you're not done yet and you're being driven by a vision of a better life for three children, four children, it's pretty amazing. Okay, to wrap this up, I have um, three questions for you. Okay. The first one is, what is the most expensive mistake maybe you made it repetitively maybe it was a one-time mistake what's the most expensive mistake you've ever made in your network marketing career
1: Um, I think I gotta say well I'm just gonna go with the first thing that came to mind I don't know if it's the most expensive one but in in the early days when I came in because I kind of came in as a hurt and pop you know out of a marriage a lot to prove Like I really came from a competitive mindset and I even felt competitively (laughs) with my, like my top leaders. Like I, I just had this sense of competition and I think that cost me maybe not dollars, but I think it cost me joy in some of the early days because I just was so freaking competitive. Um, And so I think that as I've, it was really in a lot of my i'd say my my male characteristics in those days and as i have re-embraced, like sort of my own complete self i'm a lot more heart forward and it was a short lived phase but um i think i think it cost me some joy
0: that's the most profound thing you've said tonight for me i i believe that competitiveness both with our own teammates with crossline and company to company is is one of the things that really has held us back professionally yeah. as a profession. Yeah. Because it's just not it's just not pure energy. It's not holistic energy. Mm-mm. It's not the energy of love and joy. And for for us to win, all too often somebody else has to lose. And that's not good mojo. So It comes from a profound, place of thinking
1: It comes from a place of thinking there's a scarcity of of all things. There's a scarcity of acknowledgement. There's a scarcity of money. There's a scarcity. And there just isn't. You and I are so on the same page with that idea. for No scarcity of
0: recognition. No scarcity of anything. And it comes also from people feeling like they have to prove something in order for them to be enough. They have to win. They have to be number one. People that have something to prove, it's a powerful motivator. But it burns you out from the inside yeah. out um, yeah. because it's it's caustic. Okay, so what is the smartest, most profitable, and I don't necessarily mean money, but in terms of how you equate your success in the business, what's the smartest thing you ever did, one time or over and over?
1: Um, so the smartest thing I did on one level is I stayed, even when it didn't seem to make sense. That's That was hugely smart. But the smartest thing that I've done over and over again is um, to return to service. It, it starts to feel wonky. I mean, in in a I sent a post out the other day that says, in, you know, in a profession where overnight success stories are trumpeted from the rooftops, it's really easy to get pulled off balance and to not enough ourselves and our teams and everything else. And and when we're in that place of strive at striving to prove something or going for our own agenda or a rank or whatever, like what I have learned i've I have created the ability to pull myself back consistently and easily if I get thrown off even a little bit now, man, I can feel the imbalance and I can get right back on to really, truly coming from a place of love and service and just truly caring so much about people that they cannot they they could never question your motive because they can feel who you are and ha and, and, and what you really want for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Well when you put those two together, your biggest mistake and the smartest thing you ever did, that's a perfect yin yang marriage, you <laughs> black and white. That's front of the hand, back of the hand, and I I would uh assess, Margie, that that's the key to your success, so that's beautiful stuff. Okay, Thank a couple you. more questions. Well, actually, just one more question and then a wrap-up statement. So my last question is, I know you're not done yet, even now, with 80,000 active auto ship people <laughs> around the world. <clears throat> you're not done yet. You you just did this book with Sharon Lecter. You just did a book last year for... Uh, First, worst, best, Best worst, first
1: was Martha Finney. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Good try, good try.
0: Best, worst, worst. (laughs) first. I get those mixed up, but it's a fabulous book. And I was just in prep for this call. I was studying your website, Margialiprandi.com, which is a phenomenal site, just full of a wealth of gems and value. So my wrap-up question is: What are you up to? For the next decade, and what is the legacy that you're creating now? What what is? I'm not done yet. How, how does I mean, that show in, up in the next five to ten years for you?
1: So I, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a short answer, um, but it 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 kind of has it has more subtext that I you know th- than I can share in the time that's left. I had a profound sort of enlightening, I don't know, download experience about a year and a half ago when um, I read the book Half the Sky at Sonia Stringer's suggestion. And uh, I'd been pretty clear that I, you know, that it's about, you know, the rest of my life is about empowering people to live lives of full expression and to live lives of freedom and so forth. when I read that book, um, I, it, it took on... Um, my, With my years that remain, and I believe that network marketing for all of us is a great vehicle for this because of the economic power it can get into people's hands, particularly women, would be to just move the needle a little bit on um, lifting up women worldwide, helping them um, to have a vehicle. Uh, which is network marketing, any company, any network marketing company that's being done right, that they can create some economic power so that they can have more voice and um and helping um them to see the gifts they have and step more fully into them. I really do believe what the Dalai Lama says that the Western woman will change the world, and I think network marketing's a fantastic vehicle um and so that that's um that's what the the final phase is
0: about for me. Well, Margie, um, I know you and I could talk for a couple hours, and some people might even stay on and listen, but (laughs) we we promised them an hour, and uh, you delivered uh, millions of dollars worth of gems and wisdom, and I trust people took notes and, more importantly, are committed to taking action. Just one thing, folks, if you just take one profound thing that Margie said tonight and make make it your vow, your commitment to put it into practice over and over and over again, no matter what it is, even if it's just a thought process of maybe it's, you know, I'm not done yet. Um, <clears throat> just put something she said into practice over and over and over again and you will be pleasantly mind-blown two or three months from now about how your life has changed and and how your business changed, Margie. I can't wait to see you again. Thank you so much for Richard. donating this hour of wisdom. Give
1: me were, give me two seconds to give me two seconds to say thank you for who you are, to um, you know to those in, in your company and to those and to everyone in the profession. Because Richard, you have an understanding and a perspective and an objective of lifting the entire profession. Like as we see all these X-Gen, Y-Gen people joining us, I know you intend for them to have an experience with our profession that will change the way people view it. And you're a strong and powerful voice. And it's always – I love working with you. You make me laugh, and I think you are smart. And the biggest part of it is you've got a huge heart and – and vision for changing the profession for better for everyone, and I want to thank you for that.
0: Yeah, Thank you, Margie. I appreciate it. Hey, folks, we have one minute left, so you can put that to good use by writing a name <laughs> down of somebody you're going to professionally invite with a tool to look at your opportunity before the sun sets on your day. Thank you for joining Bliss Business. Have a great week. Good, good night, night, everyone. Margie. Thank you. Good night. Thanks, Richard. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. For more invaluable training tools such as audios, videos, and of course his best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, head to blissbusiness.com. For 10% off your order, use discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles.